0: Welcome back everybody It's Wednesday And Dominic Salee Not only are we halfway through Christmas week But we are also Here today To finish our two-part recap Of the year 2020 With the -the end-of-the-year awards
1: Yes, and uh, Noah, some would say, if not all MMA fans, that this is in fact the biggest MMA award show of 2020.
0: Yeah, I mean, getting a BAJ is just—I <laughs> <laughs> literally just thought of that. On the...
1: <laughs> I love it. But... <laughs> getting a BAJ sounds a little vulgar, but it's just—it sounds, it.
0: <laughs> it sounds so suspect, but.
1: But little if did they are, know, it's the most prestigious you, award in MMA.
0: If, you, if you're lucky enough to receive a BAJ from the two of us, <laughs> we're, we're children.
1: We're, we're going to have to work on that award name for
0: 2021. <laughs> we're, we're children.
1: <laughs> hey, it's the first annual. You know, We got to work out the kinks.
0: So it's the first annual Below Average Joe's MMA Awards and i'm not gonna lie to you guys we have changed things up quite a bit from what our original plan was here even after we had hashed it out multiple <laughs> times it just wasn't going to do it justice for the year we had
1: and i think the finalized list of awards we have here are very well thought out and all our deserving categories
0: i completely agree and i don't think we're going to go like Get too ahead of ourselves here and go category by category. Like, we're just gonna take it one at a time. Yeah. The people listening will learn about it as we tell them. Yes. So, there are 10 categories. I want to make that clear. And one of our things that we ended up doing, instead of like me and Dom giving them like one honorable mention, we ended up compiling four total nominees per category. And then Based off those four nominations, we collectively decided a winner. Kind of like how most award shows are done.
1: And I will say, no, you and I worked well together, Noah, to come up with our combined list of nominees and subsequent winners.
0: True. There was set. some categories. It felt like we were just...
1: A little tug-of-war, you know.
0: Well, I was going to say some, we had like the same exact yeah. top four. Yeah, yeah then there was some where it was like we had zero of each other's we had
1: we had to make compromises here
0: Uh, yes um did we shout a little bit did we get in some fights maybe
1: it got nasty folks
0: this is why we're doing this remote yes we couldn't handle i left the studio the fist would be flying
1: we would end up being fight of the year (laughs)
0: but i guess before we just get into this here I got to ask you, Dominic, any big plans for Christmas?
1: You know, no, it's just kind of that silver lining here of 2020, just getting as much family time in as possible, but still in the responsible way, of course, with all things 2020. So, yeah, man, just seeing family, hopefully seeing some friends while I'm back at home uh, before I'm back up north with you back into the studio. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'll be... um, actually going home after I get off work Wednesday so when you guys are listening to this I'll be on my way home um, I'll be staying at home for about a week or so so it'll be nice to catch up with family and uh, I'd like to see some of our friends too while I'm back because
1: right.
0: a couple of them are starting to get really aggressive about me not out to my home so I feel like I, d- I definitely gotta step it up there but yeah, you know, it's a tough year to even really do that, even that, like checking up on family. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just because, like, you know, I'm going to go see my grandmother and I'm going to have the mask on and right. like stay a distance away. It's just so bizarre, but it'll just be nice to see everybody. And yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm ready, you know, my, my, the company I work for, you probably know this, but I'm sure I mentioned it. They have a shutdown from this Wednesday through January 3rd. Right. So I won't go back to work until January 4th, which will be my last three days there until I move on to greener pastures. And, um, yeah, I'm just excited to have, like, a break from work. You know, I can focus on some of this stuff a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, I'm just very excited for these next couple weeks. Heck, yeah, man. But enough of the small talk.
1: It's time. It's time. We really should have hired okay. Bruce Buffer to, you know, do the it's time for the awards. But. He is on a Cameo. Ah we, ah, we missed out. Next year, Bruce Buffer, we're coming for you, buddy. <laughs> Next year.
0: So our first category here is Newcomer of the Year. And just so you all have an understanding of what we're looking for in this award. Newcomer of the year is someone who started their UFC career in 2020. Now, there is a slight caveat. Contender series appearances do not count towards that. But as far as the fight nights, the main card of a paper, excuse me, pay-per-views fight nights, you had the debut on those in 2020. So that really limits the playing field here because guys like Kevin Holland can't be eligible despite the fact that they really blew up this year.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So this is legitimately like the prospect of the year in a way. Now, our four nominees were Brandon Royval, Hamzat Chimaev, Jamal Hill, and Chaos Williams. This is a murderer's row. Oh, yes. Dominic, do you want to give a, a slight little drum roll? (laughs) <laughs> the newcomer of the year is Hamza Chamayev. Who else could it be?
1: Yes, I mean, did you guys really think anyone else? Um, as great of a list as we had here and even some good ones that got left off, no one quite made an impact this year in 2020 in terms of newcomers quite like Hamzat Chamayev. I mean, the guy yeah. fought two times in nine days. He had a 13-second one-punch knockout. He's been hit a combined two or three times in all three fights. I mean, what else do you need for a newcomer of the year?
0: Yeah, and going from a guy who made his UFC debut in July to here in January is about the headline as the number 15-ranked <laughs> welterweight against the number three-ranked Leon Edwards. Yes. Potentially, if he wins that, he gets a title shot. Um, it is a rise like we've never seen before. Yes, I would say, you know, for a lot of the, you know, I feel like a good comparison is Conor McGregor, but I think Conor had to work harder to get, or not work harder, if that's not the right wording. I think the they strapped the rocket to not even quicker than they did with Conor.
1: Oh, I mean, it took more than three fights for Conor to get the number three ranked guy, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and truthfully, like, the detractors will talk about, the the records of his opponents you know he started with uh, john phillips who's got a pretty disgusting ufc record i believe it's two and six now um but then you had rice mckee who we still stand by as being a good prospect unfortunately after the hamza fight he did lose to alex Murano, so he's oh and two in the promotion and then gerald mearchart is six and six so kind of a 500 guy um But it's not necessarily even the opponents. I mean, it's the way he won these fights. Yeah, I mean,
1: coming out unscathed, like I said, only been hit two or three times total in three fights Mm -hmm. is just crazy. I mean, in that fight against GM3, Gerald Muirchart, the first punch he threw a straight right that just clocked Muirchart and put him down. I mean, this guy was doing things that we had never seen before. I mean, two fights in nine days, for crying out loud. It's really... We're on to something special here, I believe, with Hamzat Chimaev.
0: I agree. And it's just so like refreshing to just see someone be able to make that kind of statement in such a short amount of time. He it really encapsulates what 2020 was all about for the UFC. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's there's no more deserving representative of this category than that and the fact that now he's legitimately looked at as like a title contender especially if he wins. Yeah. He'll probably be next.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean and and, and so, think about if he would have ended up getting that Leon fight last week, you know, and finishing or potentially finishing 4-0 with a ranked opponent on his resume, like he would have been a strong contender for fighter of the year if it would have if he would've gotten that fourth fight in. And it's crazy that this guy literally has had 9 total fights and just started in the UFC in July. Crazy.
0: Yeah. One hundred percent, and then the Gerald Mirchart fight was looked at as his step up, his big test, right? Yeah. and it was and the his UFC decided fight. the UFC decided to put even more pressure on him by trying to book him against Damian Maya for a couple of weeks after. Yeah, yeah. So the pressure was on because everybody's like, "Why are they overlooking Mirchart? Like, you know, he's a, he's a guy; he can win this." And then Hamzai came out and knocked him out with the very first punch of the fight. Yeah, just insanity. So, uh, a true. Just there couldn't have been another choice here. Oh, no, but not at all. To touch on some of our other nominees here, I think we'll start with probably. You want to start with Roy Val?
1: Of course, Raw Dog.
0: Yeah, so Brandon Roy Val came under came on my radar in his very first performance. He stepped in on short notice uh, over the summer to uh, fight Tim Elliott, a guy who's been. Fighting some of the best in this flyweight division for years now. He gave Mighty Mouse one of his toughest title defenses back at the tough finale way back in like 2016. So a guy, a, a true veteran of this division, a guy who's been tested with some of the best and they put on a great fight. And Roy Val was able to get that win, uh, finished them even. And then you saw in the post-fight interview he started to break down and cry because mm-hmm. He didn't feel like his performance was good enough to get that bonus, and he was going to have to go work his day job the next day. Didn't get a performance bonus, but he did get fight of the night bonus, so he was able to transition full time into fighting. So he is immediately on my radar. I'm like, I'm rooting for this guy. Yeah. I think this guy's got like a star factor that for this flyweight division, you know. And then he gets paired up with Kai Kara France, a top ten. Kai Kara France could be a future flyweight champion. I really like Kai of France, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this on a big card. It was on uh, uh, UFC 254. Th- three. three.
1: Three, yeah, three.
0: So it was on that Adesanya Costa card, which ended up being one of the biggest cards the UFC had this year. And they ended up blowing the competition out of the water as far as fight of the night is concerned. The fight was awesome. A wild two-round two fight, Roy Val being hurt early coming back, getting that uh, guillotine choke finish in the second round. Um, And then he finishes the year being paired up with Brandon Moreno, who now you all need to know how good both those guys are now. But
1: Yeah, I mean, Roy (laughs) Val got put into a number one contenders fight in his third ever UFC appearance.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate that he lost the way he did because I'm not saying he would have won that fight if he had been able to continue. Because Moreno won that round No matter how you look at it But It just, you know, you don't like to see Like he's got technically a TKO Loss in the first round to Moreno And that's just not really what happened His shoulder popped out of place Yeah. So it was a disappointing end But I definitely think In 2021 we're potentially Looking at him just continuing That rise And by the end of 2021 He might be the champ 100%. Especially if Figgy moves up Bantamweight, like yeah. we probably are expecting him to do at some point. I mean, him and Moreno might be having more wars in their future. Yep. Do you want to touch on one of our other two nominees?
1: Yeah, I mean, up next, I guess, would be Mr. Chaos Williams. And, I mean, this gentleman comes in and lands two punches and automatically gets put on everyone's radar. Um, he comes in. What was the UFC debut against uh, Alex Murano, right? Yep. And, uh, I mean, absolutely just cold clocks him, uh, sends him all the way across the octagon, goes in for that TKO finish. I mean, it was brutal. He did that in 27 seconds. Then just, you know, a little bit later gets paired up with uh, 11-1 and Al Hassan, who had never been finished. His one loss was via decision. And uh, comes in, and I think it was 30 seconds on the dot, and literally one right hand just put Al Hassan to sleep. Absolutely brutal one-punch KO. Uh, Knockout of the night, or performance of the night, I guess is what it is now. Was the Murano a performance bonus?
0: Oh, I'm sure it was.
1: And then, I mean, most recently, he gets paired up with Michelle Pereira, who is a borderline top 15 in that welterweight division. Goes all three rounds with him. Arguably wins the fight. Uh, That round one and two was so extremely close, with the only round that was convincing being round three. Uh, Chaos showed a lot of good things in that fight. Uh, Really, the only weakness we've seen from Chaos was the uh, ground game, and it's not that he was even awful at that. That was just what ended up being the decisive factor. But that by no means is the end of this Chaos Williams hype train. I mean, anybody that can come in and have two fights in the UFC that last a combined 57 seconds, that's a pretty strong first impression to make uh, when you're coming into a new organization. So, uh, I mean, Chaos is on our radar uh, going into 2021, no less with this loss that he's coming off of last weekend. And uh, I think we even see another brutal knockout from Mr. Chaos Williams coming up next year.
0: I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, really, Chaos Williams was just another guy in this list. When you look at really our four guys here, I mean, three of them especially, just all all debuting in the the half after the halfway point of twenty twenty and being able to make such a statement like they did, um, Chaos is another guy that definitely benefited from like being able to stay active. And those two highlight real knockouts, you know, regardless of what happened in the Gerald in the fight he had with uh Michelle Pereira, like that fight, for all we knew, Chaos Williams could have been dominated in that fight right he couldn't slapped early. we had no idea because we'd only seen him in two fights for less than a minute yeah. he's already getting a matchup with the guy that was essentially like whoever won was getting top 15
1: yeah and that that, that is a good takeaway even though he did lose we saw that like because i'm sure a lot of people had questions like oh he's only been in 57 seconds what's going to happen when he goes to round that was, two round three that was my question that was yeah. my question and uh, i mean he never gassed looked fine in round three um, and really, like we said, that was the only round that was a convincing round, and it was just because of those takedowns. But he was by no means gassed. I mean, he was in the fight all the way to the final bell.
0: And then our last nominee here was Jamal Hill in the light heavyweight division. Jamal Hill is, in my eyes, he's a future light heavyweight contender for yep. sure.
1: And then this, is of course, um, is our contender series alumni on the list.
0: Yeah, so he debuted in 2019, technically, on the Contender Series. But again, he didn't actually debut with under that UFC promotion, the, the fight nights, the pay-per-views until 2020. And, I mean, really, he's a guy that, out of these four, he had the least, like even though by the end of the year, he was probably the least talked about of these four guys. Oh
1: yeah. hundred percent.
0: But in my eyes, in my eyes, he has the highest ceiling of all four of them potentially besides Hamzat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he really flew he was- under the radar until that OSP uh, knockout.
0: Yeah. And, and the way he dominated Ovin St. Pru, say what you will about OSP. I know he's had some tough fights where he's gotten, whether it be brutally knocked out or just, you know, hasn't always put on, like greatest of performances you know he's been beat a few times in the ufc but he's a damn good fighter even at his age
1: oh 100
0: if you can beat a guy like osp
1: you're for real
0: and for a guy like jamal hill who is still so young in the sport and so you know new to it in a lot of ways especially at this high of a level to just come in and just basically piece him apart you know for two rounds before ultimately finishing him on his feet i mean you just don't see that all the time man and he's he's got the personality he's got that that laid-back charisma that i think is going to really carry him a long way and i'm very excited to see what's next for him
1: oh yeah i mean this guy like you said very high ceiling if not the second highest outside of hamzat and that's just because hamzat <laughs> has looked untouchable but jamal hill is undefeated I believe he's also 9-0, and just like Hamza, or 7-0, and something like that. Undefeated, nonetheless. And as we always say in every episode, uh, undefeated for a reason, no matter what the level of competition is. And the same goes here for Jamal Hill. Can't wait to see him get potentially a top 10 opponent coming into 2021.
0: I completely agree. Now, Dominic, did you want to lay out our next category?
1: Yeah, so our next two kind of will seamlessly flow together here. Um, we've got our very fun awards. We've got our submission of the year, and then right after that we got our KO of the year. Of course, we're going to start with submission. Not that submissions are worse than KOs. They just, you know, the knockout has that, that little extra oomph to it. So we're going to start with submission of the year here. Um, I'm trying to find it on our big Google Doc here. Here it is. So for submission of the year... The Below Average Joes uh, nominees are Habib Nurmagomedov uh, with the triangle choke over Justin Gaethje. We've got Jimmy Flick, who just got that flying triangle. Uh, flying, that's the keyword word there. A flying triangle. This man jumped in the air and got a triangle choke. That was just last week. We've also got the Ariane Lipsky knee bar that made me feel like I tore my ACL just watching the fight. And then last, at number four on our nominees, was Davison Figueredo with the brutal rear naked choke finish over Joseph Benavidez. And Noah, I guess this leads us into, who's our submission of the year winner? Hmm, who could it be? I'll I'll go with, uh, I'll let you do it, so I'm going to go, and the winner is... Habib Nurmagomedov. The eagle Source at the Below Average yes, Joe's MMA Award show, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Truthfully, this year we didn't see a ton of submissions that were, like, super creative or super, you know, there's usually, like, we didn't have a twister. We didn't have, like, Zabit throwing some crazy, like, stretch, choke, whatever we freaking did the brandon davis back in the day yeah um we didn't have anything like that but what you had here with habib it was definitely the giving him this was easy for me because of the just the nature of the fight he was in yeah a lot of factors that main event against his toughest opponent and the fight that could potentially be his last fight of his career, but at mm-hmm. least the, the ability to stay undefeated regardless of if he ever comes back. And for him to really do the, the whole way that he was able to even get that choke on was so freaking impressive. I mean, I can't even tell you guys for Habib, who's this very stout, lightweight, a guy who, don't get me wrong, was quick on his feet but as a guy known for his his power his his ability like when he gets his hands on you you just can't escape and for him to just look so elusive and able to just seamlessly throw on that choke and it was over
1: i mean K- habib's grappling that entire fight was unbelievable i mean he had an armbar locked in in round 1 then he immediately gets just into the ground in round 2 um in in literally could have went anywhere. Like, he could have done an arm bar, could have done a rear naked, and he purposely wanted to do a triangle choke because we hadn't seen that from him in the uh, UFC. I mean, it was crazy. He said it, he said it was his dad's favorite choke as well. Yeah, I mean, really unbelievable. Said he even chose to do that choke as well because he knew Justin wouldn't tap, and if he did an arm bar, he would have broke Justin's arm, and he didn't want to do that. Listen, Habib is really just next level it, it all uh, all aspects of MMA and he showed it even more here with this submission victory, the triangle choke over Justin Gaethje, to retain the title, retain that perfect 29-0 and record. I mean, what more can you even say about Habib?
0: Yeah, and for some of these other nominees we had, Jimmy Flick being a late contender here, a guy who just a week ago, not even at this point, for for when you're listening to this, it was really like four days ago,
1: yeah
0: getting that flying triangle choke, You know, it was the third ever in UFC history, and it it came out of nowhere again. And the moment he synced that thing in, it was You just knew.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, Ariadne Lipsky. Man, talk about these next two. Brutality is, like, the takeaway here.
1: I need an ice pack for my knee just thinking about this one.
0: (laughs) You know, with the women, um, there's always going to be this little stigma about, like, oh, women fighting. Like, they just kind of have a little spar and then they're done, but no, these women go after it. And Lipsky showed that better than most this year with the fact that as soon as she was had the top position, had her back facing um, her opponent, it was Luann Carolina, I believe is her name, mm-hmm. um, or Carolina. So able to just get that knee bar and you saw the knee bend in the opposite direction that it's supposed to, I mean, it was so brutal. And you saw her opponent yell out in pain as she's tapping. Yeah. I mean, talk about a brutal submission. You just don't see those a ton, especially in those women's divisions. You just don't see those kind of brutal submissions. Right. And it it was very much on that card. It was like when I sat there and I was like, holy shit. Like, it was just a big holy shit moment. And that's going to lead me into our last nominee Talk of the fight we have talked about the most on this podcast. How could we not put Davis and Figueroa's rear naked choke against Joseph Benavidez? I Talk mean, about from start to finish,
1: I mean, this fight was just brutal, and for it yeah. to finish this way, I mean it. It was scary. Literally, one of those moments where I was watching a fight and was like genuinely concerned for one of the fighters' health. That's yeah. how crazy it was.
0: That's that was enough to put it on here. And if you just look at it from the actual submission itself, Benavidez's body was completely torqued in different directions. I mean, his eyes were rolling back in his head. It was disgusting. It was, in hindsight, now that we know that Benavidez is okay and good, like pretty freaking sick, man. I mean, that's that's like top-level top shit. And, uh, so, but when I was watching it, terrified me. I oh, sat yeah. there, I was, I felt shaken. I felt like I just watched someone get murdered or something. And that 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 was reason enough to put it on here. Is a rear ne- rear naked choke is a very common submission, but these factors play a part.
1: Yeah, you and he, know, he really won- had that neck cranked. Go. It was almost like a a version of like a rear naked mixed with a neck crank. I mean, it was over his face. I mean, it was just yeah, it was all kinds of nasty.
0: Mm -hmm. So that was Submission of the Year. Um, I will say, I think out of all of our categories for this year, Submission of the Year probably had the least amount of uh, potential nominations. It Mm -hmm. wasn't, again, it was just one of those years most of our submissions were either uh, rear naked chokes or guillotine chokes. Not that those can't be awesome. Right. But, you know, it's just one of those years where it felt like there was just a lot stronger knockout of the year contenders, which is kind of what we're going to transition into here, being knockout of the year. And, yeah, there was a lot of good ones. We've really struggled to limit this to four.
1: Yeah, it was was hard to get the top four, but so easy to pick the winner.
0: (laughs) Well, that's true. So our nominees for knockout of the year are Hamzat Chimaev versus Gerald Mirchart, Kevin Holland versus Ray Souza. Cody Garbrandt versus Rafael Anjos, And Joaquin Buckley versus Impa Kazaganai. And Dominic, drumroll please. The winner is Joaquin Buckley.
1: Yeah, what I mean, they, they all knew. They
0: all knew, right? It, uh, it, like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> one, we're talking one of talking the best knockouts best. of all time
0: here. It's one of the best knockouts of all time. True. Put Buckley on the map completely. Um, it's the most viral clip the UFC's ever had on their Twitter or, in, or social media in general Yeah, um, this is something that you would only see like the Hardy boys doing in the <laughs> WWE and that yeah. shit's meant to look real but not actually yeah. land this landed at full force and again to paint the picture my classic <laughs> will go to there to paint the picture for those of you who may be If you're living under a damn rock, (laughs) like you Patrick Starr, I'm going to tell you what happened here. So Buckley goes to throw what I believe is kind of like a sidekick to the the abdomen. Mm -hmm. Impa, actually kind of a neat move here, catches it with his hand and like holds on to it. So Buckley uses... (laughs) he (laughs) he held on a bit too long he uses he uses the foot that is in impa's hand to propel himself into a spinning wheel kick of sorts that lands right on the button right on the nose right on the chin and you just see impa do and like the Mm -hmm. cell there like the he, he's out cold on his feet, but he's frozen standing. Yeah, up Yeah, I mean, for a it, it took
1: him like five seconds to fall down.
0: Is there any better knockouts than when you see something like that? Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, just,
1: just crazy. It just
0: adds it adds a little extra flair to it. But even without that, I mean, for the creativity of the knockout and the fact that you've just never seen something like that before.
1: Yeah, it's one of those really things that be. can't be easily recreated. You know?
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. I really don't think there's much else to be said there. I mean, that's that's enough of a reason. Yeah, I mean, if there
1: was one award uh, for our listeners coming into this that they knew was going to be given out, it was probably this one, right?
0: Yeah, I, I would have to assume. I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of the most talked-about moments for the UFC in 2020, and yeah. deservedly so. Shout-out to Joaquin Buckley.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: Our other nominees, Cody Garbrandt, with the last – well, at the buzzer – uh, one-punch KO of a Sun All Oh,
1: that right uppercut. No, he charged uppercut. that up. It wasn't an uppercut, though. It was a right hook. True. It just came from down low. It was wild. He yeah, charged he like, it up.
0: Yeah, he like, he, like, crouched into it. It,
1: it was just, like he went Super Saiyan, and then just truthfully, bam.
0: Truthfully, it was like a Hail Mary of a punch, because basically it was the last, obviously, this, I said it happened at the buzzer, so you're in the last five, ten seconds of the fight. A Sun Tau starts trying to pressure Cody against the cage. And they kind of have this standstill moment where like both are trying to like fake the other one into like throwing something. And then Cody like ducks on one of a Sun feints, okay. faints and immediately comes up with just this right hook of a, a prayer of a right hook, lands perfectly. A Sun Tau out cold at the buzzer, fight over. It's over, mm-hmm. everybody go home. Just kidding. Stay. You still got Amanda Nunes, Felicia Spencer after, but um, what a. I mean, really, not even even if you took out the fact that this happened at the buzzer, which is oh, that's just it's got adds that little extra. Yeah,
1: that just helps it out.
0: The speed, precision, and power on that shot. Again, shows why Cody Garbrandt has got some of the pound for pound, maybe the most powerful fighter besides like Inghado.
1: Yeah, I mean Cody is one of the fastest, like, boxer strikers in the UFC, and this really showed that speed that he has is just next level speed, crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so very impressive there. Um, this Hamza Chimaev was one when we when we first were. what we did was we both made like our individual list just listing out everybody who we thought maybe had a shot and um, then we came together before we started recording and put together our top four Hamzat Chimayev was one that i didn't really have on my radar and i kind of it just was one that kind of escaped me i guess yeah i mean Uh, maybe maybe because i was so set on him being newcomer of the year i just was like yep i put him there so i don't have to worry about him anywhere else but no that knockout of Gerald Mirchart uh, deserves to be on here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it weird really because it was such a brutal, you know, one-punch KO, but at the same time, wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't like a Superman punch, a spinning back fist. He straight up just backed Mirchart up against the cage, landed the right hook, and see ya. The first punch and the only punch landed in the entire fight. Crazy. 13 seconds in.
0: Yeah, I, and that's really all that's... Again, we talked about Hamza before. And what that knockout really proved to a lot of people, it got him a number 15 spot in the rankings, and now he's about to fight number three, Leon Edwards. Do I need to say more?
1: Yeah, in and, and, and his first two UFC fights, although he dominated both, he was looked at as like a welterweight version of Habib. He's going to grapple you, take you down, and just destroy you. And then yep. here, he literally boxes, even though he only landed one shot. So, I mean, it just added a lot to his arsenal for people. I guess, that are watching Hamzat and kind of wanted to see him stand up. And here he is. He passed that first test with flying colors. to say Yeah, he,
0: he answered a lot of people's questions. Yeah. So people said they wanted to see how he looked in the striking. I mean, technically we haven't seen fully his, his striking arsenal, but he's got the power. We at least
1: <laughs> know the power's there, yeah.
0: yeah. And then Kevin Holland, another late entry here. This just happened uh, just a couple weeks ago at UFC 256. Um, again, when you're talking about knockout of the year, to me it's the uh, creativity and just ingenuity, something that you just really haven't seen before has to be up there. Yeah. You see Kevin Holland on his back and Jock Ray for being just the, the jiu-jitsu wizard that he is. He's got that top position. He They're kind of at a standstill though, where – Kevin Holland was shown to be super active on the bottom, throwing up submission attempts, throwing elbows at Jacare's head. So Jacare's like, I don't like that. So they're kind of in a standstill where, um, technically Jacare still in Holland's guard, but it's very loose. You know, they're both just kind of like seeing who's going to throw the first punch. Right. And Holland threw a punch from the bottom on his back that came out of nowhere. Uh, Jacare never saw it coming. Immediately, you can tell he's, like, pretty much out. Oh, yeah. One more, one more to follow it up, and Jockery folds, like, a lawn chair. And a couple more, and you just see the way Jockery's body is, like, positioned, where it's, like, his head is going towards his feet.
1: Yep. Uh, Bent over his knees. Yeah,
0: oh. How do I explain it? He was going... <laughs> his head was going towards his ass. There yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just... To see something like that, just so brutal, man. And for Jacare, I don't care how old he is. You know, He's only been knocked out, I think, one other time in his career.
1: Yeah, I mean, no I'm one expects sure to i be-
0: pretty sure it was uh, Gagard Musasi who knocked him out.
1: Yeah, and I mean, no one expects to be knocked out from the bottom. I mean, how often do we realistically see that? You know, outside of you mm-hmm. know the man, the myth, the legend, Nico Price, having done it twice. We really don't see it often. And this one was just a completely different scenario than what Nico did. I mean, Holland was literally just straight up chilling, was talking trash and back and forth with Jacare. And then all of a sudden you see this right hook, and you're like, wait, he just did something, and then just pounced on Jacare. I mean, it was wild, uh, absolutely wild. And it's funny because Holland and Buckley both, obviously on here, Buckley the winner of Knockout of the Year. Earlier in the year, Holland KO'd joaquin buckley so kind of just crazy how it all works
0: yeah that's true um, but yeah it was a very strong year for uh knockout contenders a big snub for a lot of people is probably going to be shawn o'malley
1: yeah
0: for um eddie wineland
1: the, the beautiful walk-off ko yeah
0: i mean when i first saw it because when i watched it live and i saw that i thought for sure that was knockout year. i was like there's no way they don't have very same card you hit the Cody (laughs) Garbrandt knockout just a couple fights later. And really, that kind of led to be the reason why those two have been talking shit to each other ever since. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So it's uh, very interesting just how this year worked out. Knockouts of the year, man, were just on fire.
1: Oh, yeah, very fun.
0: Uh, Next category here, we're back to focusing on a single fighter. It's going to be comeback fighter of the year. And, so, and,
1: and do we give a little just background on the criteria here
0: yeah so um this is one of those categories where me and dom were kind of in different different hemispheres <laughs> as far as and not in a bad way it's just this is a topic that you could interpret a lot of yeah
1: we were ways. looking at it two different ways you know
0: yeah so my interpretation of it because i was i believe i was the one that Said come back. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But I, when I when we originally said we were going to do comeback fighter of the year, my interpretation of it was. This is someone who is coming back in a way like, uh imagine a three fight losing streak, and then in twenty twenty they just go off and
1: yeah, go undefeated. Go you know. Forward.
0: You know a a comeback fighter of the year for twenty nineteen would be like Jan Blachowicz, right? For example. Uh, a guy who had been middling before but then in 2019 all of a sudden he finds a stride and starts knocking people out left and right Um, that's an example dominic was looking at it more so from the perspective of the how like the nfl does a comeback player of the year where it's usually someone who's coming off a very serious injury and they're able to come back and do well yeah injuries long layoffs you know yeah, so we kind of combined the two for yeah. this one. I we, feel like. we did
1: a good job of combining kind of both avenues here.
0: So this one's definitely open to interpretation, put it that way. But the nominees for Comeback Fighter of the Year are Bobby Green, Brian Ortega, Marcin Tybura, and Neil Magny. Dominic? Drum roll, please.
1: And the winner for Comeback Fighter of the Year is...
0: Brian Ortega.
1: Mr. T. City, after more than two years off, or essentially two years off, after that brutal loss in the title fight to Max Holloway, the first loss ever of Ortega's professional career, finally made the comeback this year at Fight Island and put on a master class, five round, just beautiful performance against a guy that is known as a zombie. And he absolutely beheaded the zombie uh, from start to finish, tore Korean zombie to pieces. Korean zombie, a guy that always has his moments in fights, never really had a single one outside of just landing a couple shots, never that big moment. And uh, Ortega really turned it on, and and I'm calling it, and as many others are, Brian Ortega 2.0 is in it for the long haul here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I out of all four of these guys, Ortega fought the least amount of times this year. Yet, it, it, to me, it was like I don't see how you – if you're going to put him on here as a nominee – I don't see how you can't pick him because he kind of encapsulates both of what our criteria is. Yeah. So he's coming off his, he hadn't fought in 2019. Um, He fought at the beginning of, or wait, no, I guess it was the beginning of 2018.
1: I think it was, I don't remember the specific date.
0: Um, Regardless, He had last fought in 2018, so you didn't see him in 2019. His last fight was for the title against Max Holloway, who, as me and Dom have said, best featherweight of all time. Uh, He got beat up. Did he have his moments in the fight? Sure. Was it an awesome fight? Yes. But it was awesome because of (laughs) Max's just rate of fire versus... Ortega's just ability to take all of that punishment
1: yeah I mean doctor had to come in and stop the fight I mean it was a beat down
0: and Ortega had to go back to the drawing board to really recover really rehab those injuries um work on that skill set refining some some of those striking skills uh because he's a master at jiu-jitsu and then we didn't know you know this year we were definitely like we thought him and korean zombie was going to be an amazing fight but i totally thought that zombie was going to get the better hand here
1: yeah i mean we're both guilty of choosing korean zombie to win that fight
0: Mm -hmm. and for him to come in there and not just win
1: dominate but to
0: just dominate the fight you know korean zombie has looked incredible over the past couple of years and for uh, Ortega. It really felt like it was Korean Zombies time, you know, that time to yep. reach the, the 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 high the highest echelon of the featherweight division. And for Ortega to just come in and just pump the brakes on that and say, Y'all must have forgot.
1: Yeah, um I found the specific dates. December eighth of twenty eighteen was that war with Max Holloway. Then we yep. don't see Ortega again until October seventeenth of two thousand and twenty. Um, really just miraculous here. Like you said, a lot of injuries that he needed to rehab, probably even more injuries we didn't know about. Um, Just kind of getting that mental aspect back. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was undefeated at the time, getting whooped by Max Holloway. I'm sure there were just so many factors here. And for him to come back after that long of a layoff and look arguably better than he's ever looked before, that's what took the cake for me here on this award.
0: Yeah, out of all four of these nominees, and these are definitely like I know these other three names may not stick out compared to Ortega because none of these three guys are uh, title contenders right now. But the thing that made Ortega stand out was that performance. You know, none of these three guys had that performance, right? Like we're so not to take anything away from them because I guess we'll touch on them now. I have Bobby Green stuff pulled up here. Bobby Green, man, a guy who has been there in the UFC for a while. At one time, he was a big, you know, he's a pretty good prospect, pretty big prospect, I would say. You know, there was a lot of aspirations for him to maybe be a title challenger at some point. Um, Those kind of came to an end around 2014, 2015. He went on a three fight skid after being 23 and 5 in his career. He lost to Edson Barboza, Dustin Poirier. And then Rashid Magomedov, and then he even had a draw with Lando Vanada. After that, um, at some point he even retired from the sport. Uh, then he came back, and he's kind of been, you know, trading wins and while He beat Eric Koch, and then he lost to Draker Close and Francisco Trinaldo. And those two losses, you know, happened in December 2018, and then the Trinaldo loss happened in November 2019. So it looked like you know we had just Bobby Green, he, he was who he was, but now this is who he is. And then he went on a very nice run this year, a 3-5 win streak, beating Clay Guida, Lando Venata, and Alan Patrik, um, all three by unanimous decision. He did all of those on very quick turnarounds, June 20th, August 1st, and then September 12th. Ultimately, though, he did lose his last fight of the year on October 31st against Tiago Moises. But Tiago's definitely a guy to watch out for. He's beat now uh, Bobby Green. And then before that, he beat Michael Johnson with an Achilles lock.
1: Yeah. And in so, even well. that fight, that was a three round war that some <sighs> probably gave to Green. You know, I mean, that yeah. was a tough fight.
0: So it was just, it was a really good story for, you know, before really now we're looking at all these other guys that really stepped up and were fighting four or five times, you know, Kevin Holland, Hamzai, these guys that we're giving all this credit to for uh, doing that, you know, staying super active. You know, Bobby Green was kind of doing that before any of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was looked at and labeled as the king, because they call him Bobby King Green, of the apex. I mean, all three of those wins coming at the apex in Las Vegas looked so good in all three of those wins. Really, none of them were close. Um, Very good bounce back year. Even with the loss for Bobby King Green.
0: Yeah, so it was just a really nice story. We were rooting for him hard every step of the way. We still are 34 years old. Still think he's got some some stuff left in the tank. And
1: always those positive messages post-fight played a factor. I mean, what a great guy, great person, role model. Um, Bobby King Green, he's not done yet. Be on the lookout for him in 2021 for sure.
0: Yeah, and then Neil Magny had a three-fight, went 3-0 and in 2020, I should say. He's on a three-fight win streak currently, beating Lee Jing Liang, Anthony Rocco Martin, and Robbie Lawler, and none of those fights were close. I mean, truthfully, like, all three of those fights were one-sided, and those are three good guys. I know Robbie might be well past his prime, but he's still Robbie Lawler, you yeah. know? And then for Jing Liang and Anthony Rocco Martin, those are two underrated guys. Those are Very talented mixed martial artist. And he handled him with ease. But again, why is he on here for Comeback Fighter of the Year? Well, one, he didn't fight in 2019 Mm -hmm. at all. He was scheduled to fight early summer 2019 against uh, Vicente Luque. He was injured, had to be pulled out of the card. Ultimately, we don't see him again. Starting his fight before that, he, he headlined a fight night with Santiago Ponzinibbio. A potential 2021 comeback fighter oh, of the year. Can't contender. wait to be
1: talking about him in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, he, and that was a, a headlining spot. And Ponza Nibio destroyed him for four rounds, just had him backed up on the fence, destroying him with leg kicks and punches. Ultimately, got the knockout finish, not even a TKO, a knockout finish. Uh, a very brutal main event. And you see, we don't see him again from November 2018 until March 2020. But he just came back with a new vigor to him.
1: Yeah, rejuvenated, uh, he, ready to just kind of yeah. prove a point.
0: He's claimed back that kind of top 10 spot of his. And uh, he's even been calling for matchups with guys like Hamza Jemaev. He really wanted to be the guy yeah. instead of Leon Edward. Going to welcome Hamza to that top 10. That's not the direction they went, but I think it speaks to the confidence that this guy yeah. has right now and the year he had as a whole. Where honestly, going into 2020, I hadn't thought of Neil Magny, in over a year at that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was look, he's kind of old news. I mean, sure, he's really not had a ton of losses in his UFC career, and they're pretty. You know, it's not like he was on a losing streak, but that Ponzinibbio loss was so brutal that. Right. And, then you didn't see him at all the next year. You just didn't think maybe he was ever going to be quite the same. But he's showing that he might even be better now. So I mean, definitely worthy of being in this top four. Oh yeah, and this one was probably the biggest surprise: Marcin Tybura, a name that might actually ring a bell for some of you if you watched the fight night on Saturday. <laughs> Because he is the man that TKO'd Greg Hardy. Tybura went 4-0 and in 2020.
1: Low-key, too.
0: <laughs> Very low-key. And to back up, before 2020, he had lost four of his previous five fights, starting with losses via unanimous decision of Fabricio Verdum, got TKO'd by Derek Lewis. He beat Stefan Struve by unanimous decision. And then got TKO'd or KO'd um, two straight fights to Shamil Abdurahimov and Augusto Sakai, the both of those coming in 2019. So then he starts 2020 back at February 29th. He beats Sergei Spivak unanimous decision. Then he beat Maxim Grishin. That was on the uh, Fight Island card on July 12th. Ben Rothwell in a great fight. That was that a great fight. <laughs> did not think that was gonna be as good as it was and we both thought Rothwell was gonna have the edge there but he looked great in that fight that was on October 11th then ending it as I mentioned December 19th a fight where he was um he had to come back from some adversity because Greg Hardy was
1: oh he was getting beat up up in the first round
0: and then to see him come back the way he did and just he was the fresher guy in round two he was the more technical guy he stuck to his game plan and Ultimately Greg Hardy gassed himself out and Tybura was able to get that finish. What a way to kind of cap off this this new beginning for Marcin Tybura, a guy who's he's been a top ten guy before. hmm to see and he's just fallen out. And in this heavyweight division that's never known for being the most stacked of all the, the divisions. He's got a great chance here to reclaim that very quickly.
1: Yeah, and I mean, how often do you see heavyweights that fight four times in a year? I mean, you do not see that often. This is a guy, too, that has very good cardio, seems to get better the longer the fights go on, which always poses problems, especially in a division uh, with the heavyweights. And uh, I look forward to seeing him crack back into this top 15 early next year. Uh, Excited to see what matchups will start the year off for Tybura to see if he can kind of continue this hot streak, that career resurgence that we see him on right now
0: well said so our next category here dom i'm going to let you read off the nominees but we're into most disappointing fight of the year
1: yes so these next two are fun we we're going polar opposites we're going most disappointing fights that just upset us hated watching them quite frankly straight into most surprising overwhelming unexpected fights um, so, for most disappointing fight of the year, the nominees are Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero, Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa, obviously both for completely opposite reasons, but we'll get into that. Then, we've got Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal, and the fourth nominee for most disappointing fight of the year colby covington versus tyron woodley noah the winner for well i guess you want to call him a winner is this really a winner for this (laughs) award Ah, they're getting a trophy right for most disappointing fight of 2020 goes to
0: israel adesanya versus Yoel Romero.
1: Yes, probably our second most obvious award winner here of the night outside of uh, KO of the year. Yeah, a
0: lot of it's going to come down to what your expectations were for this fight and kind of what do you look at as being more disappointing? A fight that was just shit? (laughs) Or a fight that was just very one-sided?
1: Didn't live up to the hype?
0: Yeah, I mean, because truthfully... If you want to go off of, like, which fight was I most... I don't know. I mean, this fight... Okay, let's start... Let's not get off... Let me try not to get off track here. Right,
1: right.
0: Um, This is the worst... One of the worst fights I've ever seen. Just nothing happened. It it wasn't a fight. They kind of just stood there.
1: Yeah, it's up there with Lewis versus Ngannou, for sure.
0: Yeah, Like, it's so frustrating because... Again, I don't want to throw blame at Adesanya or Romero. You both deserve equal blame in my book. This was the card, by the way, UFC 248, co-mained by Li Zhang and Ioana Yumjianchuk, and I assure you, you will hear about that (laughs) fight in a different category. But this had the nerve to follow that up and was one of the worst title fights I've ever seen. Israel Adesanya is kind of the guy right now that could be one of the the next all-time
1: greats. Yeah, 20-0, undefeated. I mean, this is... He's, he's trending in that direction. And, and this is a blemish to that record, even though it's a win,
0: you know? Yeah. This fight was so bad that the UFC sent you Romero to Bellator.
1: oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Wow!
0: I love love you. I love you,
1: Yoel,
0: so don't... (laughs) Savagas. No, I... You know, then you have a guy like Yoel Romero who's... Look at the Whitaker title fights. Yeah, I mean, one of the most
1: exciting, explosive, dangerous fighters in the entire UFC. And I don't quite know where that was uh, in this fight. We saw a lot of standstills here. Now, of course, Israel Adesanya is known as that counter-striker, so I get it to a certain extent uh, because Yoel wasn't really actively going at Izzy, but at the same time, it's like, okay, Izzy maybe should just do a little more in-output because when Yoel would throw, he was kind of landing hard, and it made some of the rounds hard to score, sort of, even though there wasn't much to base it off of. Uh, Very strange, very odd fight.
0: Hmm. I agree that, that adds to it it's just such a weird fight because outside of this one example for the most part in these guys careers they've done nothing but put on exciting fights oh yeah I mean for Yael Romero I look back the first time I saw him fight live was against Chris Weidman what a crazy knockout that was bloody and then, he had, and then he had the wars with Robert Whittaker that knockout of Luke Rockhold uh, the Paulo Costa fight, oh my gosh, what a fight that was.
1: Yeah.
0: And then for Adesanya, you got the fights with Brad Tavares, with, um, I mean, the Paulo Costa fight being very one sided and it's on disappointing fight of the year, but it's a masterclass performance. Yeah, that's performance. for a
1: complete opposite reason.
0: <laughs> and then the fight with Robert Whitaker, again, another very one sided performance, but a very exciting fight nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, his
1: fight with Anderson Silva, you know, like, <laughs> The Brunson fight, there he dominated and just yeah. yeah,
0: and then you just see this and these guys just do nothing, and it's such a shame. I see people online; they'll still try to say, "Oh, Romero won that fight." Nobody won this fight. You both lost, in my book. All right, I've let I've let that out
1: <laughs> a little bit for the for the other nominees.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, none of these are that bad in comparison. Right, right. But, When you're talking about disappointing, I'm going to start with Adesanya Costa. Uh, Poor Adesanya, man. Both of his fights, both of his title fights ended up on this list. We love the guy. Completely opposite reasons here. Because what was disappointing about this fight, for me especially, as the guy who picked Paulo Costa to win, I can say firsthand that this fight, I don't... Costa has kind of been clowned for this fight. I'm not going to say that it, at some of it's not warranted, but truthfully, this fight just showed us how much better Adesanya is than the rest of that middleweight division. Yes,
1: that's a great way to put it.
0: And I think that while it's great that you see a guy like Adesanya who can just dominate, this fight was looking on paper to be a potential fight of the year. And then Costa just could never find the range, could never pick his shots. He was pretty much uh, like a deer in headlights for the entire two rounds. Adesanya just picking his shots, throwing head kicks, uh, just landing perfectly. Um, It was a masterclass performance. And while I think that over time, this fight will become... I'll be able to look at this fight with a little more kinder eyes because it's going to wear off that disappointment of Paulo Acosta just not being able to live up to what I thought he could. But over time, I'll just be able to watch this fight to see the master performance that Adesanya put on there, I think.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to play into that disappointing factor, this was getting hyped up, you know, the Battle of Unbeatens. To these guys that are just world-class strikers and aggressive and the counter-striking of Izzy and, uh, you know, so much so Dana White was saying this was going to be the fight of the year. I mean, that was what he was saying going into this, even knowing that we had just seen Wei Lee, Zhang and Ioana Young-Jacek earlier in the year, uh, Poirier Hooker, all kinds of fights. So for him to come in, going into this fight saying that was just hyping it up so much, and for good reason. And for it to not necessarily lay a dud because, like you said, Israel's performance is unbelievable. One of the best title defenses ever. It was just the fight as a whole. We really did not see this uh, from Costa. This was an Apollo Costa we had never seen before, and it really, as I had said in recapping these this fight, it was kind of just the Izzy effect. You know, he gets in there with guys and makes them look like they've never fought before, makes them look so hesitant, makes them fight completely different than they ever have in all their other fights. Um, so really, it's on here as disappointing because the fight as a whole didn't live up to the hype. However, performance-wise, Israel Adesanya, one of the best title defenses of all time.
0: Mm. And then our next nominee here, Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Some of the blame for this fight being such a disappointment has to be kind of on us, right? Probably. <laughs> because in hindsight, it's always going to be 2020, but the way this fight went was probably the most likely scenario for it going. Very true. So Usman originally scheduled to defend against Gilbert Burns at UFC 251. Burns a, a week out. Test positive for COVID nineteen. He's out of the fight. UFC is able to get Jorge Masvidal, who is the biggest star outside of Conor McGregor in the UFC currently, to take his rightful place in that title fight. And then the fight happens, and I and I and in the lead up, I've really started to believe I'm like Masvidal can do this.
1: Yeah, I was right there with you
0: just because of that run he had been on it to that point I mean 2019 was his year you know to see him go from being kind of this journeyman type to knocking out Darren Till fastest knockout in UFC history ever been Askren dominating Nate Diaz in a very high profile fight where they made a belt for it and was in I think it was in Madison Square Garden yep Um, then you get this fight and just because he didn't win isn't why it's disappointing because I don't dislike Kamaru Usman. I think he's a great champion. What made it disappointing was that the fight was just kind of a dud. The first round started out exciting enough. Yeah, most exciting Mondial, round for sure. Mondial got pretty aggressive right away with the light kicks and stuff and uh, he was definitely making Usman a little uncomfortable on the yeah. feet, at least from how I perceived it. But then... Pretty much by the end of the first, and ultimately the rest of the fight, uh, it was all Usman. Um, there were, were some takedowns. Jorge did have a great takedown defense, surprisingly. Um, I didn't notice that the first time I watched it, but when you go back, you can see how good his takedown. Yeah, he
1: did a lot of things watchers. right. Kamaru is just that good and that yeah. persistent in the grappling and wrestling.
0: But the majority of this fight was spent in the clinch and foot stomps by Usman and. It just wasn't a very aesthetically pleasing fight to watch. A very dominant performance for Usman, and over the bi- biggest star in the company besides McGregor, it's a uh, you know a great notch in his belt, right? But um, he didn't walk away from this fight with any new fans, I don't think, and that's disappointing because I do really like Usman. I think he's so talented. You know that fight with Colby Covington was arguably fight of the year for 2019. yeah, And um, so he's very capable of having that kind of a performance, but he had a very smart game plan. He stuck to his strengths. Mosvidal, being on six days notice was not nearly as conditioned as he normally is. He got tired. He gassed out. Um, it was the most likely scenario that fight would go, but I think that's why it was so disappointing because you had seen Masvidal be able to kind of play up he always seemed to like rise above those expectations in his previous three or four fights yep so that was why that was on there did you want to touch on that one at all
1: no i mean you really hit it from every angle there um it was really the most hyped up fight of the entire year you know outside of connor and cowboy at the beginning which seems like it was eight years ago at this point but uh you know, with Jorge being the massive star he is, I think there was a lot of um, unintentional pressure, I guess, by people just because of his name value and stuff. But when you really break this fight down, even if they had training camps, I mean, you're kind of going into this thinking Kamaru probably has the advantages because of that elite-level wrestling. So, you know, counter that with only six days' notice for Masvidal here. And, and you know, you got to look at it the other way, too. Um, Usman was training for Burns, a completely different fighter from Masvidal. So he took this fight on 6 days notice as well. Uh and he did what he had to do to get the win. Again, somewhat lackluster with a very few good moments. But um again, for they all had kind of have differing reasons to be nominated for most disappointing fight and that's what it is for Usman versus Masvidal.
0: Mm-hmm. And our last one, Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley. I originally didn't think of this one right off the bat. The other three were like the three obvious ones to me. But this one might be just the biggest uh, missed opportunity yeah. for sure The UFC's had in a long time. Tired Woodley was never a very popular champion, and I'm not going to pretend like I was even the biggest fan of him, but he was a dominant champion. Yes, he
1: was, yeah
0: and then you get this young punk Colby Covington. I'm just calling him a punk, but I mean, the dude's great. He's
1: the the persona though. Yeah. He's,
0: he's playing up that character. He does the, the MAGA character, the, the Trump supporting, you know, telling Brazilians that they all think in their country shit. Um, you know he's he's, he, he's the very, heel,
1: right? I mean, if we're putting this in WWE yeah. terms, quite simply to put it, he he's the heel of the entire UFC, so, really.
0: Truthfully, this rivalry had all the makings of being like a. I think it even had the potential when when Woodley was at his peak. You know, right before that Darren Till title defense. Yep, you know, right in there. That was. I mean, the Dare Until Win was really his peak, but yeah. that's showing you that's where he peaked as champion during this time frame. Colby Covington, at the basically the probably the most he ever was really acknowledged during his like the shtick he does. Like at that time, he had definitely made a name for himself that people were taking notice because not only was he talking that shit, he was backing but he, it up. Was, he was backing it up at the same time. So then. That rivalry, in my opinion, could have truly been on the level of, like, Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And not because Colby's the best trash talker in the world, and Tyron Woodley surely has said his fair share of cringy shit, but because when you have a guy like Colby Covington, this white, clean-cut, good-looking guy who plays into that MAGA character, plays into some of those racial undertones you know the like i said he tell them brazilians that they're country and they smell whatever they're all filthy animals whatever he said um you really had like a very heated rivalry there that just when you had that kind of racial undertone to it. I mean, this fight could have been huge.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was a true hatred between both of these guys. Uh, and they had trained together before that's a completely other, uh, part of this rivalry, you know, former training partners, former friends, uh, really the list goes on and on with all of these Colby Covington rivalries specifically, but this fight alone, uh, really did have potential at one time to be huge.
0: And then they lost to Colby was offered the title fight at UFC 228. He had a nasal infection, I believe is what it was. He had that some sort of nasal surgery operation or something. I forget exactly what it was. Um, So they gave it to Darren Till. And this is after Kobe had just won the interim belt. So he gets stripped of that interim belt almost immediately. And then you get that fight with Darren Till where Tyron Woodley comes out and looks... Puts on the best performance since he won the belt from Robbie
1: Lawler. Dominated till shut down that hype train immediately.
0: Yeah. And then after that, uh, there was, it just seemed like they could never get the fight to be booked. I don't know for what reason, but then Usman ends up getting the shot. Usman dominated Tyron for all five rounds, something that probably most of us didn't really see coming. And because of that, sure, I think the Usman-Covington fight ended up being really big. But nothing was going to beat that first one, that Tyron versus Colby. So what I'm saying is that was 2017-2018. Well, this fight didn't happen until 2020. Yeah, And they were just in different places. Tyron, it's obvious going into this fight, His, his championship days seem to be behind him. He had at that point lost 10 straight rounds, five to Usman, and then his follow up fight to Gilbert Burns got dominated for five rounds. Sure. Are both those guys in the next title fight at that division? Yes. But you just, you saw nothing from Woodley. He didn't look the same. He just looked, he looked kind of un, unmotivated, uninterested. Mm-hmm. And then you get this fight, and right there, that's enough to put it. Uh, no matter kind of, even if the, <laughs> If the fight had just been whatever, if it had been fine, like, okay, maybe I'm being a little hard. Like, maybe I would be being harsh on it. But kind of, they kind of got me to buy into it again. Yeah. Like, going into fight week, I was like, we both picked Tyron Woodley in our predictions. Yes, we did. And 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 we both had said for months that Colby was going to dominate him. Like, Colby's going to dominate. But then something about that lead-up, I was like, Kobe doesn't look right, he looks like he's scared, he intimidated, Tyron looks very calm, cool, collected. And then the fight happens and it was five more rounds of Woodley being dominated. And then ultimately the fight was ended via TKO technically because um, Tyron broke a rib, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very, very gruesome
0: injury. In. Yeah, it was a very lackluster ending to a fight that really wasn't great, but it was kind of what it, it was what Burns versus Woodley was. It was what Usman versus Woodley was. Um, just such a missed opportunity. That's kind of my, my reason for it being on here. Mm-hmm. And um, for the fight to actually happen and it was just too late, it felt like it was a lower version of what What we could have say it kind of reminds me of like the mma version of like pacquiao mayweather where the fight it's been so long like having these contract negotiations that kept falling out
1: the build up
0: yeah the build up and the fight ultimately didn't happen until at least one of the guys was way past their prime yeah that's just the unfortunate part of it. But otherwise, a great performance for Colby.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, he he got the job done. But I think that, that's enough that needs to be said about that fight unless you wanted to add anything.
1: You put it perfectly, my friend. And now we segue into the most surprising fight of the year. Be mm-hmm. it... um. It over exceeded the expectations. There was a performance that really blew a lot of people's minds out of the water. However, you want to put it here, but I'm going to jump right into the nominees, Noah. <clears throat> we've got Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno, Frankie Edgar versus Pedro Munoz, we've got Calvin Cater versus Dan Ige, and last but not least, Derek. Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian. Noah, the winner for the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. Most surprising fight of the year goes to
0: Davison Figueroa versus Brandon Moreno. Yes. Wow, this fight just happened. What two weeks ago? Yep. And it still sits with me. Like I still feel
1: that, the effects
0: yeah that fight going in nobody including us thought moreno had much of a chance nah. at that. And it's one thing if moreno just showed up and showed more than we thought he would like it'd be like oh if he maybe had a good round maybe even two good rounds but like ultimately if davison just had the advantage the whole time maybe it doesn't go on here Maybe it does. Maybe that's enough to even get it on here, just if Moreno was able to even get around. But when we ended up getting out of this fight, I never thought we were going to get a draw in a fight that was an absolute war. Right. I know Davison will come in and bang, and I'm not saying Moreno won't, but we just hadn't really seen that from Moreno. We hadn't seen his that, that chin be tested the way it was. Yep. I mean, this... These guys really pushed each other to their full limit. Obviously, Davison looked like he was in more pain than Moreno was at the end of the fight. Let's be honest, Davison was hitting Moreno with uh, hammers. I mean, Moreno
1: was just eating Figgy's punches for dinner. I mean, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. The pace they set from start to finish, nonstop action. Uh, barely any you know, tiredness out of them both obviously had their two rounds for each of them where they were like oh damn but they just kept going they put on really one of the best fights of the year and uh, it really says a lot for Moreno here more than anything proving the doubters wrong uh, earning a rematch essentially we're going to see sometime next year after these guys heal up uh, absolute battle both these guys showed their toughness and at a time where this flyweight division, and we keep talking about this as of recent, is really at the best point it's been in its existence in the UFC. And with guys like these two on top of the mountain, we see why. So,
0: We did a whole episode, and this is not a slight on us. This is just to show like, how surprising it was for Moreno to perform the way he did. We did a whole episode dedicated to the state of the flyweight division and just gushing over to where it is now. We might have mentioned Moreno once, twice, and it was only because he was scheduled to fight Figueredo.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, he deserved to be in this title fight. Don't get me wrong. He was the number one guy. But I think this fight proved that is not going to have this cakewalk that maybe we thought he might just off of his previous performances I mean not that he ain't an exceptional talent because he is and this and this fight still showed that you know for four rounds he was just like the like the Terminator just walking down Moreno and just landing these shots that would probably knock out any other fighter in that division and even at the Bantamweight division potentially and I just don't think there was any other fighter who could withstand that punishment, but Brandon Moreno on that night,
1: yeah, I agree with and,
0: that and not even just Moreno's ability to take punishment, but he was dishing it back too um, you even made a good point about this, despite the fact that Figueredo landed a landed more often he landed harder strikes Figueredo was closer to being finished yes, than yes. Moreno was.
1: Yep.
0: And that just adds to this being one of the best fights of the year. The best flyweight fight of all time. Um, I I love this fight. And the draw, usually in a title fight, a big title fight, a draw, people would groan and moan over that. <laughs> yeah. it, was the, it was the best outcome.
1: This was the one of those fights where I'm like, the draw is the best possible solution. Correct. Because neither like, of these guys deserve to lose, and it means we get to see it again.
0: Legitimately, I didn't think either guy, like... And it's not because I didn't want either guy to win. It's just, I, I would have felt like if one guy got the nod, I would have felt the other one got cheated in some right, way. Like, right, it, just, it didn't feel right to reward the fight to, like... Like, I felt like a draw was, like, saying both guys are the winner. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're now the co-owners of the flyweight belt. Exactly. <laughs> um yeah just for what we just said or what you were saying uh, about this topic not only is it about the fight living up to the or over exceeding expectations but a performance Moreno's performance Figueredo's ability to go five rounds the whole everything that you could possibly be used to measure this category this fight was at the top yes But we did have some other strong nominees here. Frankie Eicher versus Pedro Munoz. Uh, This was actually... um, I'll go ahead and say it now. Spoiler. This was a snub from our Fight of the Year category. This was probably our fifth favorite Fight of the Year. Yep. Uh, A a hell of a fight. That was the main event of our very first...
1: It was our very first preview. Yeah.
0: So kind of a special... uh, First fight night preview, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, but what a great... Oh, yeah, that's true. But what a great fight it was. And this one, really what surprised me more was Frankie Edgar's performance.
1: Yeah, I mean, that plays a factor here into the most surprising fight of the year. This was Frankie's long-awaited debut at 135 pounds. And looked like he didn't skip a beat. Looked just as good as when he was the freaking lightweight champion of the world. I mean, this guy... Just never seems to fade. Uh, the most octagon fight time by a mile. Here's another five round war to add to the books. What more can you say about Frankie Edgar, man?
0: Yeah, that's a. It, I personally thought Munoz was going to finish him pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Frankie's first fight at bantamweight. He had already been slowing down at featherweight. You know, finished in his last fight there against Korean Zombie. Uh, He had that title fight with Max Holloway, a fight that he didn't deserve, in my opinion. Um, That was a fight I thought he got based off of what he had done in the past, but not what he was doing in the present. And Max proved that he was just that a lot better than Frankie at that point. But I thought when he had this move down to Bantamweight, I was like, there's there's no way his chin's going to hold up. But it sure did. You know, I, I think the one thing that stopped me from... Not that I think it could beat Figgy Brandon Moreno, but I don't think Frankie Edgar won this fight.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: But just his ability to show like to hang in there the way he did with Munoz and win rounds against Munoz at the rate he did it proved that he's definitely a top ten guy for sure. I mean, oh yeah. I he's mean... ranked fifth. He's ranked fifth now, so He's got that matchup with Corey Sandhagen coming up, and he wins that. He's got a title shot.
1: Yeah, we could see another hell of a fight here with him and Sandhagen coming up in early 21, you know. Um, there's so much you can say about this guy, Frankie Egger And then for Munoz, on the other hand, coming in really just, you know, even though the loss, I don't think his stock really went anywhere but up. You know, he put on such a great performance. A lot of people thought he won, including both of us. And, you know, to just go in there with a guy like Frankie Egger No matter what his age is, you know Frankie is a hard guy to put away. And, uh, man, he was hitting him with some brutal shots. And uh, it was just such a great back-and-forth fight. Both guys having their moments. Um, It was really great to see from Munoz get that really big name. And, uh, you know, I'm going to say, obviously, he didn't pass the test. But at the same time, he really did look phenomenal in that fight. And like I said, his stock only continued to go up, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and we had a couple other uh, contenders on here that uh, maybe a bit under the radar for this, which I guess is kind of the, I, w- I don't want to say the point of this category, but um, I think they're very deserving. Calvin Cater, Dan Ege, that was a headliner on our, was that Fight Island or was that Apex? Yep, Fight Island. It was one of the first fight nights after uh, 251. I think
1: it was the Wednesday one. Or no, that was yeah. Till and Whitaker. Okay. It was Um, one of the Fight Island fight nights.
0: Yeah, regardless, you know, this was one of those main events that I think less people were excited for. It was just like, oh, Dan Ige had a very close decision win over Edson Barboza in his previous fight, a fight that me and many people thought Barboza won. Calvin Cater, on the other hand, had looked great his previous fight with that just vicious knockout of Jeremy Stevens, and he had been. He looked really good in the Zabit fight, even though he lost. Um, He looked like he was just hit surging. Yeah. You thought you had a matchup here that was going to be very one sided. And while I will say, Calvin Cater did win this fight, I don't want to say easily, but he was in control. He was in control for the majority of the fight. But you saw a lot out of Dan Ege here and his ability to hang with a guy like Cater for five rounds. And even even when he was kind of at his lowest points in the fight, like those points where he was like, where Cater was really light landed on him, Ige was still showing that heart and that determination to fight back and even land his own combinations, his own shots. So um, definitely a guy that can't be, you know, defeated mentally. Right. Right. And a lot of fighters always say, like, that mental game is kind of what'll make you lose first before the physical. Um, and it was just a great fight, honestly. Like, yeah, it's kind of under the rate. It's definitely, we've had, we've been blessed with some really good fight night headliners this year. Yeah. Um, truly, like, in comparison to some other years, like, just some absolute fantastic fights headlining these cards. This is one that kind of, Again, falls under the radar. But it was a great fight. I really enjoyed watching it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it over-exceeded the expectations, you know, Mm -hmm. hence the surprising factor. It really was an incredible five-round war. Uh, Two guys just giving it their all. And, uh, again, another fight where both guys' stocks go up, even though there was a loser. For Ige, you know, he he still is plenty deserving to be right where he is in those rankings, and he showed it here in this fight. And for Cater obviously starting off 2021 with a main event over Max Holloway. Hello. You know, both these guys moving in the right direction after that fight.
0: And then our last nominee was Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian. I'm very happy that I could put this fight somewhere on our –
1: 2020.
0: Yeah, like I felt like this fight, not enough people have talked about it. You know, I was even when we were going over some stuff before, I was even talking about Derek Brunson for potentially performance of the year. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily as a winner, but as more of a nominee. Um, this fight with Edmund Shabazian, Shabazian, very young, very talented prospect, but a guy who looked like he was the future. You know, he just he looked incredible. He had the, the backing of the UFC. Ronda Rousey is his manager. He's. The next guy out of that Edmund Tarverdian um, camp.
1: Yeah, he was undefeated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going and he had looked this. incredible. Yeah.
0: And you got a guy like Derek Brunson, who's kind of been that gatekeeper for a, a, a time now. You know, you've seen some of the guys like Israel Adesanya. That was like his first yeah. big test, and he finished Brunson pretty easily. So it kind of looked like that was what this fight was set up to be. Uh, Brunson said hold my beer yes he did <laughs> and I'll let you continue from there but just an, an excellent performance from Brunson showing that, that veteran um, quality that he possesses at this point in his career and able to just kind of turn back the clock in a way and even show some explosiveness that maybe uh, he, we hadn't seen from him in a few years and yeah, he just looked like he was, had. he looked very re-energized in the octagon. It
1: was really that veteran expertise here that played such a factor. Brunson's been in there with the best of them. And, uh, you know, Edmund, it was just too quick of a push. He really got dominated for three rounds before getting finished in the third. Brunson, like you said, turned back the clock. He looked good. He wanted to prove a point where, like, you know, I'm not going to be looked at as this gatekeeper anymore. I want to make my way to a title shot. And, I'm not going to let this young kid undefeated, all this hype. I mean, this was set up for Edmund Shabazian to become a star. I mean, it really was a star-making type fight for Edmund, and he shut that shit down. Brunson, one of the best performances of his career, and uh, now looking up for his career, you know, going forward in these rankings. Really excited to see what Brunson can do in 2021. I would love nothing more than to see this guy make that one final run you know i mean i know he's only well he's 36 i mean so young in a sense but when you've had so many fights uh and with so many great people like brunson has he's kind of got to know in the back of his head i've got that one last run to make and uh, now he's on a three fight win streak here we could be seeing that one final ride for Derek brunson uh after this fight with edmund so
0: yeah well said now we're into our top four categories yes, the
1: four biggest awards yeah. of the evening
0: and we start with the performance of the year yes. category i was very i was very excited when we kind of we were trying to find a couple more to fill out to like 10 and when we fit when we got to this one oh my gosh i was Pounce so excited it. i was like yep. i was like tailor-made for our kind of show that we do here performance of the year was uh this was another one though that having those four nominees was very, very tough,
1: tough to very tough
0: so our four nominees for performance of the year are brian ortega versus korean zombie israel adesanya versus paulo costa Aljamain sterling versus Corey sanhagen and Charles Oliveira versus Tony Ferguson. Dominic, drum roll,
1: please. The winner for performance of the year goes to Charles
0: Bronx Oliveira.
1: I just want to give some claps here the man, the myth, the legend, the all-time leader in submission victories, tied all-time for most finishes. Now on an eight-fight win streak, he finally got his due here at UFC 256 against Tony Ferguson and did not waste the opportunity at all, did he, Noah?
0: No, he did not. Um, This was a fight that Look, I know... uh, Let me start by getting the snub out of the way. Uh, Justin Gaethje, uh, his performance against Tony Ferguson was probably that fifth slot there. And I think there's probably going to be some people who will go, well, Justin did it first against Tony. And while that's true, and it was a one-sided fight, an excellent performance, Tony had his moments in that fight. There were no moments to be had with (laughs) Dubrox. And people now are questioning Tony's entire future in the sport yeah. and I think people gotta slow down Tony is still an excellent fighter Charles Oliveira just showed that he has arrived and the fight no matter where it went he was dominant He was he was faster, he was stronger he was more technical he literally was better everywhere and who else can say that they have all those advantages over someone like Tony Ferguson it was such a matchup nightmare for most of this division. Just a star making performance. If Absolutely. the Kevin Lee Fight didn't if the Kevin Lee Fight didn't do it for you, this fight proved that Charles Oliveira is uh just a star now. Yeah, I mean a star he, a star in his actual ability.
1: Yeah, I mean really had two performance of the years, and that's what kind of really helped us as well. I mean, he looked unbeatable, uh, through six rounds, essentially, obviously he finished, uh, Kevin Lee earlier in the year. Then did come out here and do this to Tony Ferguson? Unbelievable. I mean, really had a 10, eight round, even, you know, it was a 30, 26 all across the board. Uh, just utter domination, damn near snapped Tony Ferguson's arm off of his body. Then he locks him into a triangle choke at one point. It has a rear naked, Dominated top control, won the fight on the feet when it was on the feet. It wasn't on the feet very often. The takedowns were huge, brutal slams. I mean, you name it, he did it all and he's finally positioned in that spot where he may be getting a title shot sooner rather than later. My hat is off to Charles Dubronx Oliveira.
0: Yeah, I completely just couldn't have said it any better myself. We did have some other strong nominees here. Dominic, I'll let you take a moment to kind of break down some of these and why these guys were on here in the first place.
1: Yes, sir. So, I mean, I'll start with kind of the quickest of the three nominees. Aljamain Sterling made quick work of um, Co- Corey Sanhagen back at, I think that was uh, Fight Island, right?
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. Or wait, no, it was. Uh,
1: or no, was it was it at a, 249.
0: Uh, I, th- I thought it was 250.
1: Maybe 250. It was one of them. Anyways, <laughs> Al comes out, and we're talking a guy that Corey Sanhagen, by the way, uh, just TKO'd Marlon Marais with a spinning heel kick and now is set to face Frankie Edgar. And Al just came in there and made it look like he had never fought in the UFC before. I mean, he really just dominated uh, Corey here. I'm, I can't even remember. It was a first round, correct?
0: Yep, first round. And I mean,
1: it was like... I forget the exact time of it, but he just came in, steamrolled Corey, takes the fight immediately to the ground, um, gets the submission finish. I mean, was pounding him with the ground and pound. Aljo really positioned himself here for that number one contender. Uh, he's supposed to be fighting Pewter Jan for the championship at any time now. I mean, damn, this fight is should have already happened already. I don't know what's really going on, but uh, I can't wait for this fight. He really had a star-making performance. He's now on, I think, a five-fight win streak. Um, so, And he's facing the top competition. And to come in and do this to a guy uh, in Corey Sanhagen, who had, at that point only had one other loss in his career, really was an incredible performance. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to touch on that anymore before the other two nominees.
0: Yeah, I touched on this a little bit when we talked about Sanhagen on Monday, but... Corey Sanhagans looked virtually just flawless in his UFC career. And then you have this fight where he looked like he didn't belong. Is there any better way to really say it there?
1: No. I I mean, that is the perfect way to put it.
0: He's rightfully ranked, I think, right behind Al in the Bantamweight rankings. I believe he's second.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, rightfully so. But Al man, just definitely not how i thought the fight was gonna go i don't remember exactly who i thought was gonna win
1: i thought we were in store for an incredible fight
0: yeah i don't know i don't it's hard for me to remember i don't know if i really had like a like a like a prediction for this fight truthfully but i definitely didn't expect what happened for aljamine to just completely it The fight might have went two and a half, three minutes, but it felt like it was over. Yeah, in forty seconds.
1: seconds. Yeah, it was crazy.
0: It was truly like delaying the inevitable. It was like once Sterling was able to get that fight to the ground and get his back, which happened pretty much immediately. Um, The rest was history. There, like it was, it was over. Yeah. Um, Just a couple. We already touched on these other two. uh, Yeah, I guess that's true. uh, just to give them their due. Ortega over Zombie, I mean, and Adesanya over Costa. I mean, these were two
1: Damn near perfect, you know, performances. As close to perfect as you can get.
0: Yeah, Adesanya and that title fight with the fight of the year expectations on it. People thinking Costa, people like me thinking Costa would win and was the guy who could beat him. And for him to just show that, like, Costa, while maybe is, maybe Costa is the second-best fighter in that division, but he is about five steps below Adesanya. And then for Ortega, just to shockingly, I might add, against Korean Zombie, just be able to come back from all that adversity, from that beatdown he had in his previous fight, and not only not only even dominate the fight, but, like, dominating it in ways we had never seen him dominate a oh, fight before. his stand-up
1: you know. looked beautiful.
0: Yeah. And not that he hadn't shown growth in his stand-up. It's not like his stand-up was bad before, you yeah, know, the exactly. Holloway fight. Knew, the Holloway fight, you know, his stand-up wasn't bad.
1: Yeah, but the but first guy ever to ever knock out fight. Frankie Edgar, by the way, Yeah, with, with the with uppercut. Upper, I mean, uppercut. yeah, we're talking about um, a guy that was already at such a high level, just got... Better. It's kind of scary well, how good this Brian Ortega is right now.
0: And, you know, I'd be so interested to see how the fight with Max would go if we saw this Brian Ortega oh, going yeah. up against him. But, yeah, those are kind of our four nominees there. Did you want to touch on those two anymore before we move on?
1: I, I think that's well put, and we're right in to our Fighters of the Year, Noah. Mm-hmm. And we're starting with our female fighter of the year this the nominees here are a little different um we have one non-ufc fighter and now we know that uh, most of uh, really all the awards we've done so far have been ufc related however a lot of the very well-known and even really lesser-known women's fighters in the ufc weren't as active this year there weren't as many big takeaways weren't as many big wins you know or big streaks in the year of 2020 So I guess that really leads us right into the nominations here. Um, And that gives us Lauren Murphy, Chris Cyborg, our lone Bellator fighter, Valentina Shevchenko, the women's flyweight queen in the UFC, and lastly, Mackenzie Dern, Noah. Our female fighter of the year for 2020 is...
0: Chris Cyborg.
1: Hello. We just shocked a lot of people there.
0: We just shocked the world.
1: (laughs) We do that a lot on this podcast.
0: I'm not surprised, (laughs) motherfuckers. (laughs) No, uh, let me cat out of the bag here, right? Let's elephant in the room here. Um, This is not because, like, look, this was a great year for female MMA. I mean you'll we'll see later (laughs) yes yeah Yeah. but just a lot of these fights we had this year were incredible almost too incredible because it caused a lot of these women to not be able to step in the octagon any more than once yeah
1: exactly or Um, put together these win streaks you know
0: yeah you know you had the fighters who remained very active outside of the ones on this list you know angela hill uh went what two and two this year
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. And was going to fight a fifth minutes. time before COVID, you know?
0: If if she, you know, the, both, those two losses were both split decisions, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And, um, she could have easily had won both of those and been 4 0, and, oh, and then she would have been fighter of the year. Yeah. A lot of these women in the UFC, I should say, were just not um, super active compared to their male counterparts. And, nothing I mean these four women had great years but what it comes down to here and why Cyborg is the lone Bellator representative Bellator didn't have a ton of events this year right you know they started well after the UFC did they weren't doing shows every week necessarily so there wasn't a ton to go off of and truthfully we don't see every Bellator fight So when it came to Fight of the Year and a lot of these, you know, submission KOs of the Year, we didn't necessarily see every Bellator fight. So it would be hard for us to to measure that against what we watch weekly.
1: And like you said, you know, not as many fights, not as many, you know, high quality. I put that in quotes because obviously there's high quality fights all across the MMA world at all these organizations. But uh, Cyborg stood out because... She was one of, if not very few champions in Bellator that did get to fight uh, multiple times this year. She goes mm-hmm. over, makes her debut in Bellator, wins the championship, and then goes on to defend that championship. And in that defense, gets the first ever submission victory of her career, by the way, which yeah. is impressive nonetheless. So, you know, 2-0 and this year, but both in title fights after being so dominant all these years in the UFC outside of the loss to Amanda Nunes and just picks up as business as usual in another organization again, and continues her reign of dominance. Um, You kind of always have to have cyborg in that conversation for all female mixed martial arts. Yeah.
0: I think uh, my biggest reason for feeling like she was the most deserving uh, has to be the fact that she went over to Bellator and was able to kind of, continue that dominance. I think even though she did beat Felicia Spencer pretty easily after the Nunez loss, um, after being finished the way she did against Amanda Nunez, there was some question marks, right? You know, just, okay, Cyborg's been at the top of the sport for a long time. She's 35. Is she starting to slow down a bit? And these two fights in Bellator, you know, Julia Budd, who she won the belt from, has been a great champion for Bellator, a great fighter for Bellator. She's truly, like, a UFC-level talent, and Cyborg looked incredible in that fight.
1: Exactly, yep.
0: And then she defends against Arlene Blinkow and got that first submission of her career, so it shows that she's—not only is she not taking a step back, in some ways she's taking steps forward and showing that she— even if age maybe slows her down in certain aspects that she still can adapt and add new weapons to her game. And I think that that's truly what made her women fight woman fighter of the year. Um, and I'm glad that we were able to get a Bellator representative on here. Um, the only other Bellator representative I could uh, see was a uh, submission of the year for AJ McKee. Yeah.
1: Potentially. Yeah.
0: Um, we did not go that direction, but outside of that, you know, I'm sure they had some amazing fights. We just didn't happen to see all of them. Next year will be different. We're we're hitting them pretty hard at this point.
1: Yeah, but. and, I mean, we should have a full slate of events, hopefully, for, you know, yeah. a majority of these organizations, more fights to get to watch, more fighters getting the chance to fight, and uh, go in there and, you know, take some of these awards come this time next year for the 2021 Awards, So, um, yeah, it was fun to have a Bellator fighter on here, Chris Cyborg. And, uh, you know, really the nominees, I mean, Valentina Shevchenko makes two title defenses this year. Um, you know, both relatively dominant. Uh, her fight with Jennifer May, I will say, she did lose a round, which is crazy. You're like, oh, she lost a round, whatever. But we're not used to seeing Valentina, you know, really be touched outside of Amanda Nunez. So uh, she defends her title twice there, continues her reign as the flyweight queen. You know we've got the likes of Mackenzie Dern, who's kind of having that big bounce back after her loss to Amanda Rivas in 2019. Her one and only loss since then goes three and zero in 2020. Two of those wins via submission, and then her most recent fight was damn near excuse me, damn near fight of the night on her respective card. Uh, Had a great three round stand up war. Uh, at UFC 256. And then last but not least, Lauren Murphy really having a career resurgence right now on a four-fight win streak. Three of those uh, in 2020 with the most recent one at UFC 254. The biggest stage of her career on the main card. Gets that submission victory, if I'm not mistaken. Or it might have been ko I don't remember. But she's been dominant all year. Really calling for that title shot uh, in that flyweight division. So... Great nominees here. Really, the winner could have even went to one of those three. Um, and if you want to touch no on any of those nominees, go at it, my brother.
0: Surprisingly, Mackenzie Dern was very close to yes. being. Yeah. Uh, I did not see that coming when we were putting this together, but when I really looked at it, uh, sure, those submission wins, being able to finish those fights early and get out of there, awesome. But the fact that, that that last fight was so good with Virna Janadova and the fact that they stood and traded for three rounds and Mackenzie looked so comfortable on the feet compared to what we had used to see from her. Not perfect, but considering that she has completely jiu-jitsu background here and coming into mixed martial arts, you know, a lot of people said, oh, she's going to get punched once and quit. Yeah, and she's showing that she could take shots. She broke her nose in the fight. And yeah. Was like, fuck it, I don't care. Uh, so she showed a lot of growth this year.
1: And yes, that's a great Arima's way to describe
0: loss, it. For rebus loss, that was necessary for, her. and she was very close for me to give it to her. Um, Valentina showing a, another year, another just two dominating performances. Yeah, I think that actually says more to her credit that she lost a round to Jennifer Maya and people were losing their shit.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And including me, I was like, what the hell is happening? Um, she did it. She was able to, you know, weather weather the storm, in quotations, I guess. Um, completely dominated the rest of the fight. And don't even get me started on the Chukagian fight back in February. Uh, that fight was... A uh, very one sided yes. and Chukagian. Um, sure, Andraj is like now kind of the number one person to fight for the belt, but Chukagian still is like the second best fighter in that division.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. Third best, I guess, at this point. And Valentina handled her with ease. So another year of just. You know, two fights, that would be the reason why someone like Amanda Nunes or Rose Namajunas uh-huh. or Wayley Zhang wasn't on here because they all fought once.
1: Unfortunately.
0: And then Lauren Murphy, um, another surprise. Uh, you definitely came through with her and Dern for these. I just didn't really, like, think about them in that. Like, I, I didn't see them at that level. Um, there were other options. Amanda Rebus was one that, you know, if you talk about, like, star. You know, uh, newcomer of the year, like yeah. if she hadn't already fought.
1: If the Dern fight would have been a month later <laughs> yeah. and happened in January so, of 2020.
0: Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, like Lauren Murphy, though, just that consistency and being able to kind of go 3 0. Sure, was it under the radar? Yes, but finishing off on a high profile spot. UFC 254 and a very dominant win, and being able to kind of put her claim into being a potential next title challenger. Talking
1: that shit after the fight and calling her shot and everything.
0: So now it's like if you don't, if you didn't know Lauren Murphy before, you won't forget after that. And yeah, it was a great year for women's fighting. And all four of these girls, as great of a year as they had, none of them were in that Fight of the Year conversation. That's true. That just shows what a great year we had for women's MMA. So I think uh, we move on to Male Fighter of the Year.
1: Oh, we've got some good candidates here, Noah. And we chopped it down to four. Let them know.
0: The nominees are Jan Blachowicz, Charles Oliveira, Davison, Figueiredo and Kevin Holland.
1: And the winner for the Blue Average Joe's MMA Awards 2020 Male Fighter of the Year is...
0: Davison Figueroa. The flyweight so king. Kevin Holland, you were so, so close.
1: So close. Damn it. If he only would have fought a sixth time... <laughs>
0: it's despite the fact that he had the draw even though it was an amazing fight um he went three oh and one in 2020 uh he's put a new fret uh, he's really kind of raised the flyweight division from the ashes and uh made it one of the most relevant divisions going on right now in the ufc um what a year he had and it didn't start out on great terms he was placed in the title fight at one of the uh, fight nights that started out in 2020 against Joseph Benavides. He misses weight. So he's ineligible to actually win the belt. Fight still happens. He knocks out Benavides brutally after an accidental headbutt, blah, blah, blah. That's on Benavides, not Davison. Get your facts straight if you think otherwise. But he doesn't win the belt. So it's looking like, at that time, you could even say, well, Davison seems to be doing a good job at potentially killing this division. They can't seem to get a champion. Henry hadn't defended the belt since he uh, won the Bantamweight belt almost a year prior. And then they set the rematch over to summer on Fight Island. And again, <laughs> the fight we've talked about the most ever, Davison literally destroyed... Joseph Benavides the second time made weight champion he's very scary that was the takeaway
1: <laughs> yeah
0: when he defended at UFC 255 against Alex Perez uh contender series guy not necessarily the person that people thought should have been in the title fight but he was a top five guy at flyweight had very good wins including uh his win to get that shot I believe was over Juicy Formiga via leg kicks a TKO via leg kicks who's what the hell
1: yeah and the only man to give a loss to davison in his professional career by the way
0: was juicier formiga yes
1: yes and
0: davison literally won that fight very easily in, in and they you know Perez was they kind of got a little wild going for like a like a shoot takedown type thing um for a second it was like Perez might even get davison's back davison quickly switches it into uh, flips it around is able to get a guillotine on, and the fight was over almost before it really had a chance to get started.
1: Yeah,
0: and then if that wasn't enough, three weeks later,
1: this son this of man, a bitch,
0: this man, this man, <laughs> this man already cuts a quarter of his body weight to make 125 pounds, and then three weeks later, he had to get back down to 125 pounds. To defend against Brandon Moreno, who I will also give credit was also fighting on three weeks, three weeks later. And they had one of the best fights of the year. I never thought I would question Li Zhang and Joanna as fight of the year, spoiler alert. Mm. But this fight was the closest that like I was sitting there questioning, like, oh my gosh, which fight is it? and for this fight to do that like i don't care that he didn't win he looked incredible it was an incredible fight moreno looked incredible that's the way you to me male fighter of the year is like that i'm gonna remember this year for davis and figueredo yeah. more than anybody else Th- this was
1: the year of davis in the year of the flyweight division um and you know really if you take away and i'm not i'm not trying to throw what ifs in here but if if that point deduction doesn't happen, Davison goes 4 0 on the year in four title fights with two title defenses, one of them on three weeks' notice. So right. when you put it that way, you're like, okay, yeah, he probably should be fired at the year. So, you know, 3 0, one draw in a fight of the year contender. Didn't even look, not, not even close to bad in that fight with Moreno. It's hats off to Mr. Davison Figueredo. Thank you for really putting the flyweight division back on notice in part with Brandon Moreno of course as well.
0: Uh the as I mentioned Kevin Holland was probably our runner up here very it was pretty much a two man race it seemed yeah, like for yeah. most people. We just
1: had to fill the other two gaps.
0: <laughs> well, we'll give those guys their respect too in a second but Kevin Holland, I mean, he went at 5 and 0 oh.
1: <laughs> since May, by the way. Imagine if he would have. That's still a five-month gap where he could have had two more fights. I mean, this man was doing unprecedented things. I believe four out of the five were via finish or three. Uh, really, only one of those fights were close, and it was the one with Darren Stewart that ended with a split decision. Other than that, the damn guy looked flawless all year, capped off by the sitting-on-his-butt knockout of Jacare Souza, the biggest name of his career, the biggest test. And now, you know, here he is. He's ranked 10th all of a sudden. Uh, in this middleweight division, well on his way to superstardom. Uh, he's made a ton of money in bonus, uh, bonuses this year. Again, five fights. Anybody who fights five times in a year is a complete savage. And the fact that he went 5-0, and o, unbelievable for Kevin Holland.
0: Yeah, um, I don't really have much to add there. Just I like that Kevin Holland with each performance this year got better and better to the point where he literally knocked out Jacare off his back. and I yes. think his confidence had a lot to do with that. Sure, does he always... He's big mouth, right? He's always confident, blah, blah, blah. If you look at him when he fought Darren Stewart just a few months ago to how he fought Jacare, that is a completely Complete different, different fighter. Completely different fighter, yep. And I think that's going to continue moving forward. A guy who totally hit his stride in 2020, and um, he was probably... I mean, maybe probably Hamza, but he was like close second for the guy who gained the most from yeah. 2020. Yeah. Then we had Jan Blahovich, who probably maybe would sneak past some people for Fighter of the Year. Maybe some people would be like, Oh, that's more of a twenty nineteen uh fighter of the year, but I disagree. He started out the year in a number one contender fight against Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson coming off that big win over Johnny Walker, who a lot of people were really high on, myself included. Uh, Jan was being kind of counted. I don't want to say he was being counted out, but it seemed like I would say the edge was people thought Corey was going to win this one, and Blachowicz knocked him out, (laughs) the Polish power. Uh, just sent him dropping like a freaking box of rocks. Just. Oh, I mean,
1: it sent him to Bellator. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, that happened back in, uh, I want to say January. Uh, February so then, 15th. February 15th. Thank you. So, um, a great win there. Well, he's set up for a title shot.
1: With at the time, we thought it was John Jones.
0: <laughs> right. And yet, after John has that controversial. A decision whenever Dominic Reyes, he decides to vacate, and then he's going to move up the heavyweight, and we're, we're still waiting for answers on that. But because of that, Belovich doesn't get a shot until I want to say it was September, The UFC 253. Yep, 253 September. in September. So he gets a shot against Dominic Reyes, who, me, you, the majority, I would say, of MMA Twitter thought Pete John Jones yep. he might be the GOAT. Needless to say, pretty much everybody thought Dominic Reyes is your next light heavyweight champion.
1: Yeah,
0: Lehovich comes in and dominates the
1: fight. I mean, this is right on the edge of being in our performance of the year. He, yeah. it just, he dominated Dominic Reyes from start to finish both those rounds. I mean the body kicks. It looked like Dominic Reyes had a brand, you know them things of metal you put on a damn cow that you like burn in an oven. It looked like he got branded on the side uh, of his body because of Jan's um, body kicks. Then the brutal knocked knockout in the second round had him on the spaghetti legs. Jan Blahovic with one of the best performances of the year really showed that, you know. He is deserving in a true champion in the UFC.
0: Yeah, 100%. And now he's looking like he's going to get the biggest fight of yeah. his career against Israel Adesanya yeah. to start off 2021. And again, is that a fight the majority of people are going to be counting him out of? Yes, but tread lightly because I've counted him You've out. Learned. Five, <laughs> I, I've i counted that man out in five straight fights and he's made me pay every time. Yeah. And then our last one, Charles Oliveira, a guy who... And pretty much in the last two weeks is really the reason why he, he got a spot here. He went 2-0 in 2020. And truly, this is probably the guy who had the most dominant 2020. Yeah, man. I mean, Kevin Lee, who has had a, a few losses in the UFC, but still a guy with a ton of upside, a ton of potential, a ton of skill. So
1: well-rounded.
0: Yes, and Oliveira dominated him everywhere. And a guy who... While we've seen improvements, if you've really watched him fight over these last few years, you've seen the improvements in his striking. But to the majority of people who remember him as this guy that came in at 21 years old back in 2012 or 2010, whenever it was, uh, he was literally all jiu-jitsu. Very skinny guy. um, Didn't have much striking at all. He's looking thick these days. Yeah, and to see his growth to what he is now... Uh, where he was able to just piece up Kevin Lee um, Hurt him multiple times And ultimately get the finish with the submission That was a great way to start That was our last fight night
1: yeah, Or the
0: first fight night without fans I should say But the last one before that original four week hiatus Before yep. we got UFC 249 So I think a lot of people kind of forgot about that fight Because of that There was so much going on in the world That was when pandemic, COVID-19 That all first started Yep so, this fight kind of just got pushed aside as bigger, you know, UFC 249 needed to be saved. And I get it. But what a great way to remind people than to put him with Tony Ferguson. And again, we, we talked about it earlier. He won Performance of the Year. Uh, complete shutout. Could have done three, 10, eight rounds if he wanted to. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was Habib Edson Barboza levels of dominance.
1: Yeah, I mean,. We're talking a guy that at the end of that fight with Tony, we were looking at each other. We're like, this dude is, like, next champion material. Like, can be anyone, any time in this top five of the lightweight division. A straight, savage, so perfectly well-rounded, in his prime, physically built better than ever before. An eight-fight win streak. 2021 just may be... The year of Charles Oliveira. Be on the watch.
0: Yes, and now we move on to our final category of this episode.
1: We saved the best, ready? the biggest, the most important, the most coveted, sought-after award in all of MMA. The Below Average Joes MMA Podcast 2020 Fight of The year Noah, do the honors. (sighs) Okay, take it easy now. Yeah,
0: yeah. Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno, Angela Hill versus Michelle Watterson, Whaley Zhang versus Joanna Young Jacek, and Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker.
1: Ladies and gentlemen,
0: I might have already spoiled it, but Dominic.
1: The first ever Fight of the Year recipient of our award show goes to. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it,
0: wait for it! Wei Li Zhang versus Joanna Young Jacek.
1: Pop the bottles of champagne this was the greatest women's mixed martial arts fight the world has ever seen the greatest fight of 2020 and one of the greatest fights in general that anyone's ever ever laid their eyes on noah
0: two women at their absolute peak physical performance who want nothing more to to have that belt wrapped around their waist, and you see them go to war with each other, take off years of each other's life. I mean, these are, again, I, I touched on this earlier, these are women. Women aren't supposed to bite like this, right? That's what people say. People think, people have that stigma because they're women, and they showed that they can do it just as good and in this case, a lot better than a lot of these guys do. Yeah. And that they can take just as much, if not a lot more punishment than they do too. And these women punished each other. This was back and forth. This was razor thin, close. You still debate on who wins to this day. But all I know is, regardless of who you had as the winner, regardless of any of that, there wasn't a better fight in 2020. And there hasn't been a better fight in years
1: at this point yeah I mean this fight was unbelievable from start to finish five rounds of beautiful chaos Noah um just enforcing their wills on one another from start to finish Joanna looked like she wasn't even the same person at the end of that fight Li Zhang's eyes are swollen shut there's blood everywhere uh the strikes landed in that fight was the record for the year I forget what it was but it was off the charts Really unbelievable performance. Anyone out there that's still new to MMA or not big on women's MMA, sit down for 25 minutes and watch this fight and tell me your jaw didn't drop at least three times. I mean, it really was unbelievable. I mean, so much so I have a damn poster dedicated to how great this fight was hanging on my wall with a scroll. We talk about the scroll, Noah, all the time. Uh, It really was so great to see for women's mixed martial arts. And uh, really just the embodiment of the year of 2020, of just being a fighter and fighting through this year, was encompassed with Weili Zhang, Ioana Janjacek on March 7th, 2020.
0: Well deserved. But I do just want to give a shout out to these other fights. We've talked so much about Figgy. Yeah, Brandon Reno. Figgy, just can- sit
1: down. Yeah. You won enough awards.
0: Yeah, you're you, take a take a break. All right, <laughs> Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker. Woo! Uh, I have a little personal story about this one. So this card uh, over the summer, I worked at a gas station uh, during, I guess, second shift. So I was working usually like two p.m. to ten p.m. I would say. Uh, the later hours, it would get kind of slow. So when fights were on, if I was working uh, Saturdays, I would uh, put the fights on on my phone and just have it sitting next to the register. And this card in particular obviously interests me because that main event was awesome. And then you even had Mike Perry and Mickey Gall on there, among other fights. While I leave uh, work, I get off at 10. And on my drive to my mom's house, which was about a 20-minute drive from where I worked, um, the entirety of the Mickey Gall-Mike Perry fight took place. So I missed all of that one. But I was like, okay, I get home, you know, my 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 folks don't watch uh, UFC that much. Uh, but I walk in, I'm like, hey, do you guys care if I put on this main event? It's about to start, it's the last fight, I just want to watch it. And they're like, yeah, sure. So I'm pretty sure my stepdad said this was like the first UFC fight he had like really watched. And he was like, holy shit. He's like, this is the best thing ever. We were sitting there like, I was having a great time watching that with him. He just gushed over that fight till he went to work. And um, yeah, this fight was brutal. It was chaotic. It was back and forth. Um, I mean, it, it really showed both guys ability to go five rounds and yeah those later rounds they were slowing down but they were still just refusing to quit yeah oh man it it was an incredible fight a great headliner obviously as if these two guys would ever disappoint
1: yeah i mean have we ever seen a boring dustin Poirier or dan hooker fight and will we ever (laughs) stay tuned because right now the answer is no
0: Yeah, I I hope we never do and then our final fight here the
1: sleeper pick but the so much deserving pick right here Angela Hill, Michelle Watterson man
0: yeah I'll let you touch on this one first because I think this one in particular had a special place for you
1: yeah I mean just this fight was getting so much hate when it got bumped to the main event this was originally supposed to be Tiago Santos, Glover Teixeira the first time Got canceled due to COVID. And this the shit that this car got as a whole. But the main event. Angela Hill, Michelle Waterson. Oh, nobody wants to watch this fight. Blah, blah, blah. Two journey women. It's going to be boring. People making fun of their striking and how they miss all the time. And Michelle's karate style. This, that, and the other. And the whole week, I'm just letting all this frustration build up. Like, damn it. I'm not standing for this. We let them know. Noah, on the preview episode, we let them know. Mm-hmm. And then we go out there on Saturday night, and these two women fight to a split decision in such an incredible back-and-forth fight. The early rounds going to Angela Hill really looked like she was just going to pull away and win every round. Then rounds three and four, Michelle Watterson utilizes that beautiful karate style to even it back up two-to-two. Two. What more can you ask for than going into a fifth round and you're tied two-to-two? And then the round five, just trading back and forth. Truly a fight that could have went either way. I think Noah and I both did end up going with Michelle Watterson here, edging it out. But Angela Hill, you know, this was her fourth fight of the year. And Michelle needing the big bounce back win. So much riding for both of their careers. And for them both to just go in there and just let it all out, leave it all out there on the line. You know, no shits given. They wanted to put on a show, and that they did. Uh, Fight of the night, a top four fight of the year. You know, there might be some head scratchers when Noah first said this was one of the nominees. But uh, again, if you haven't watched this fight, go back and watch it. This was a very slept on card as a whole. Uh, So a lot of people probably haven't seen how great this fight is. Really an incredible fight. True mixed martial arts showcase throughout all five rounds. Uh, Was so happy that these women went out there and proved the haters wrong. And got fifty thousand extra dollars for doing so.
0: Yeah. Again, this this just shows the great year women's MMA had. Yep. This was a fight while I was excited for it. I was excited for a card. I never thought this was going to be the fight that it ended up being. Um, we saw the best out of both these women. It was truly like for both of them, the best performances yeah. of their careers. Yep and it's so unfortunate that Angela Hill had to lose it but it, someone had to i mean it was it was such a great fight and yeah i just this speaks to the quality of these fight night headliners they had all year even when this wasn't even planned to be the headliner yep being put in that spot due to covid and it was probably better than what the main event would have been if it had stayed in there yeah so the fact that you got to see it go for five rounds instead of three, like, everything worked out. It it lined up into place. I know it was unfortunate that COVID had to be the reason just to get it to that, but it worked out to where you got to really just see this fight at its maximum potential, because it could have been truly compromised if it was a three-round affair.
1: For sure. For sure.
0: Man, that's it. We have finished the 2020 year in review part two the below average shows mma awards the first of its kind the first of many
1: oh yeah i mean the the best damn award show in all of mixed martial arts right here ladies and gentlemen thank you for being with us we hope you enjoyed your drinks and your dinner uh complimentary on us hope you guys enjoyed your private tables no i'm just getting ahead of myself here that's down the road but seriously this was a blast we were looking forward to this uh no better way for us to kind of finish out this year i know we still have one more episode that Noah will touch on in a second but to be able to just do this these past four months with this sport that we love and share it all with you guys and then it all comes together here for the end of the year awards uh couldn't have asked for it to go any better starting to lose my voice now i've been talking too much so i'm gonna let noah take it away here for a couple minutes
0: <laughs> yeah uh, this feels like the end of 2020 even though we do technically still have one more episode for this year and just thank you all for riding along with us as our debut year we've um, i feel like we've came a long way in our short amount of time uh doing this podcast but it's only going to continue to have that kind of growth i think um, and that all starts with you guys with your support uh continues to motivate us every day to get better and to really come through with quality and stuff that you guys will actually enjoy listening to. And uh, yeah, so I think we'll move on to talking about what's upcoming here for us. Again, we're going to be on a a strictly Wednesday schedule here for a couple weeks. The special
1: episode marathon, baby.
0: A week from today, the day you're listening to this. On December 30th, we have a new series called This or That, 2021 edition. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So basically, the concept being, I tell Dom, Dom, would you prefer to see uh, Wei Li Zhang versus Rosanami Yunus or Wei Li Zhang versus Carlos Barza? And then Dominic has to pick one. And then we can talk about it and talk about why, you know, it just is going to give you guys a good idea at our thoughts on these, some of these big high profile rumored matchups. Yeah. I mean, some, some
1: realistic matchups we could very well be seeing here very shortly, you know,
0: and we get to, and we get to just talk about some of those fights that we're most excited for. That's kind of the excuse to do it in the first place. Um, but I think it's a, it's a nice, I think it's going to be a nice, uh, Concept to work with in the future, and I, I'm very excited to do that. And then, a week from that, Wednesday, January 6, 2021, the first episode of 2021. As of now, it's technically to be announced, but I think what we can say after some of the bombs we got dropped on <laughs> us today, yeah. it's going to be a news episode. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: um, that's going to be an episode dedicated completely to news because, again, we're starting with Monday to. January 6th, no news episode. So we're going to have a lot to catch up on. That's multiple weeks' worth. Um, Today alone, we've had a bunch of bombs dropped. It's uh, getting a little crazy out there. There was even one dropped on us while we were doing this, but (laughs) I won't say it because I don't know if Dom knows. Um, Wait. that'll (laughs) That'll be coming January 6th. And then lastly, a week from that, January 13th, classic pay-per-view reviews have arrived and they start with ufc one taking it back to 1993 in colorado very excited to sit down and watch that one with dom and just you know get to really kind of break down ufc one and all of its madness and glory what started it all
1: yeah very true
0: but until then dominic tell the good people where you they can find you on social media
1: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DCLee14, and you can find our podcast on Twitter and Instagram at B-A-J underscore M-M-A podcast.
0: And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at N-T-Baker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, Along with our social media platforms, that includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, the Anchor page, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. And there's a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month, and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be the audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all of those if you go to my bio on Twitter, or Instagram at nt baker underscore. But with that. We're out and we're going to see y'all on Wednesday.